0: Hope everyone's doing well. Welcome to Magia Mindset. Today's guest doesn't really need an introduction in the sports science world of football. Yes, he's been a part of three World Cups with the US, 2002, 2006, and 2010. He has coached in Swansea in the EPL. He has coached for UAE as an assistant and a sports performance director. He has been a sports performance director at LA Galaxy in the MLS, New York Red Bull, has worked with the most elite athletes to date. Welcome, our guest, Pierre Baru. Roll the intro. so pierre thank you again for uh putting in the time i I know you're i know you're you've been busy with the schedule with fifa and everything going on um but truly appreciate it and uh right off the bat uh, i think you have a unique story in the way you got to where you got to so if you can quickly share with us your journey your story of how you got to where you are today Uh, I can. I don't know if I can do it quickly. Um, At your own pace. Remember this is yours.
1: Good. I like that. I don't want to be rushed. Um, Yeah, I mean, I started, you know, I was playing football and team handball in France um, as I was growing up. I was pretty good at both, but better in team handball. So, you know, I I picked team handball when I was 16. I had an option to go... um, to the equivalent back then of what was Clairefontaine, which is, to give you an idea, would have been the residency for the u 17 in the US. Um, but that would be full-time football, and then I decided to, um, to combine it with the handball. And um, so I came out of university as a sport teacher, a, an ex fees teacher, and also I had the status of high-level athletes in France, which gave me a lot of time to train and stuff. Always been interesting in the, uh, in the field of performance, strength, and conditioning, which back then um, really was starting to exist, especially in Europe. Um, I, I moved to the U.S. after the World Cup 98 because there was a culture in the U.S. of, um, of strength you know, that we didn't have in Europe. I was always impressed by the track and field results from the from the US team. And I wanted to see what was done here, you know, and there was a CSCS back then, which was a national certification that we didn't have. Um, ended up at Virginia, get my CSCS, already the Masters of Athlete Training, get involved with the, um, first of all, get involved with the fitness coach for the university. So mostly football and um and basketball, and for me, it was just to observe and then go back to France, you know. But I guess the soccer program heard that there was this guy downstairs with an interesting profile. Um, and then, I'm going to fast forward here, I ended up working for, uh, for men's soccer at Virginia. Um, from there, we had a very good team. And from there, we had this incredible season. So, I think this is where I get, I mean, at least the physical work gets noticed. Um, went to the U18 national team, we did well. You know, got a chance for the USA national team. This is early 2002. Uh, won the Gold Cup and then, you know, was on board for the World Cup two. And this is, this was my springboard. Spent four years at U.S. soccer until the World Cup 06, Went to the Red Bulls after that for one year. Went back to U.S. soccer um, as a head of performance, assistant for the national team until 2011. This is where I left. I went... To the UAE for three years, system coach, national team, head of performance, setting up the fitness coaching diploma, which I have done already for US soccer, doing the same thing in the UAE. And then after three years' day, I embarked in a quote-unquote regular coaching career with the pluses and the minuses. So minuses would be you better be mobile and you know, you never know how long it's gonna last. I was at Sheffield Wednesday in England in a premiers- in a championship. Um, I was with Bob Bradley in Stabek in Norway. I was with Bob at Le Havre in France at Swansea and this leads us to August of 17 when I came back to the US to be the head of performance for the Galaxy. This finished last year and um, and this year I'm pretty much you know, looking for the next opportunity. I turned down a few opportunities because I don't think it was, I was you know, ready to some extent. Um, and this year, I've been involved. I've been a FIFA instructor for seven years. Um, so they reached this project for FIFA this year that I'm I'm sitting as a high-performance expert on, on the panel there.
0: Oh, fantastic, fantastic. You know, it's funny. I was actually – I had a question lined up to go into, you know, your relationship with Bruce and Bob and how those World Cups go. But before we go, because with the whole – uh, I don't know if you caught it, the Lance Armstrong documentary. I thought it was pretty interesting, especially with the Tour of France. Probably, I think it was in the transition of you before coming in. Tour of France was high with Lance Armstrong during that time. Um, and I thought a section with Michelle Ferrar- Ferrari where they were talking about the EPO and the octane. And all you, mm. need, all you need is red cells. Um, and, you know, we were discussing fatigue and how to maximize performance and accelerate recovery process i want to kind of if you can in your opinion of that was a unique time with that of using red blood cells um how how is those approaches and at that level that you deal with you know you dealt with it at the football soccer level at the highest level where everyone's trying to find that edge you know in the cycling one of them they say uh, corrupt sports with using every avenue to get it what's your take when you were listening to that red butt So you probably knew it in advance with uh, using that
1: um my brother you know was a rugby player in, in uh back in the 80s in the 90s in south africa and he was telling me there was some some, some doping going on and then some of these some of these, you know, just like for cycling, you know, uh, we talked about Lance Samsung, he's still alive, but some of the Tour de France winners from back then are, are not, you know. Um, some of these rugby players that are big names, you know, are not. You know, Florence Griffith Joyner, you know, is not, not alive anymore. So, you know, it's, it's I mean, when it comes down to the EPO, the big problem with the EPO, you know, um, it's great to have red blood cells. The problem is he, he, he makes you... Uh, it makes your blood real thick yeah. so all of a sudden you know you're at risk of cardiovascular problems this is why <clears throat> i haven't i haven't seen the lens thing I, I i recorded it but back then you know um you would see pull up balls in like cycling hotel you know because these guys have to have every night they, they want to make sure that they would hang upside down for the blood flow to come back to the for, for, the, for the blood return, you know, to take place because the, the blood was too thick, it was too much hip And the one thing I want to tell you, it's, a, it's, it's actually football appropriate. In 2006, I am paying the U.S. team to, uh, to, train, to play at Azteca. L- okay. um, so we trained in Colorado Springs at the, uh, the Naval Academy. This it wasn't six because this is the World Cup, so it might have been five. And uh, so we started the process at sea level here. Uh, so, this is January, you know. And, you know, I, I did like a targeted work in order for them to improve the RB power, you know. It was to be able to be resistant and run a lot. Once we get to Astaka, which was maybe early March, you know, I'm not sure if it was mid February or early March. We train here hard and then we report to the Air Force Academy. So, the Air Force Academy is 2,800 meters. I'm not talking, I'm not. Yeah, multiply by three in terms of feet, you know. Azteca is 20, almost 2,400 meters, all right, time three for the feet. Wow. And we started, and we started training there, and I had a very strict protocol. They had to stay 80% of their max, you know, because otherwise you do more damage than good. This is why we did the, we did the core of the work at sea level. Um, but 80% of their max up there, you know, is really nothing. You know, so they had watch where it would beep. If they get 80%, I would tell them what slow down. Because we were really targeting the physiological, right? Um, we did the blood test pre, during, and post. We had this blood test at the USOC Center in Colorado Springs. When, <laughs> when a well-known us when soccer player turned I mean, just passed out, you know, when he get his blood test drawn, which I almost had a heart attack. I thought I was fired. And... Uh, The result of this blood test, if you go by the guidelines back then, you know, 46 to 48% of hematocrites is a sign of something's wrong, you know? A sign of there could be some exogenic help. We had four players at at 50% plus, you know? And believe me, there was no EPO involved with us. It was strictly the regimen of having the time to train at sea level, to report at altitude on time, you know, and to do the adequate training you know but even the guy at the USOC uh, you know because they've been around us for a while you know know what they would they they were telling me uh, right now in this period in the atmosphere you know that would be that would be a a, a red flag in any sports you know and I'm like well go ahead you know (laughs) all we've done is we've trained you know uh the way we've been training so it really differs because you producing EPO you and I are producing EPO you know the question is what branch. So it's not like a substance that doesn't exist that you already shoot into your body. So there's always like a, a question mark. This is what they have to, they have to come with a range, you know? And actually, I use that experience a lot to prepare the 2010 team uh, at altitude for, um, no, to prepare, actually not at altitude, to stay down and to, um, to prepare the team for the, the World Cup in South Africa, which would be played at some altitude, you know?
0: No, it's it's interesting how you say that, Pierre, because even when we go on the corruption with Lance Armstrong, when you're and you're in the athlete field and stuff like that, it's like can you blame them? Because it's like Pierre, you go up to them, you present to them that, hey, if you if we do produce red blood cells in you, you have a chance to win the World Cup. How many yeah. of those athletes will say, We're okay. Let's we're good. Let's do it. You know, or well, first of all, I would never I would never
1: go to them, you know, saying this. I don't, want. don't <laughs> think I don't give them any, any benefit of that. None of these guys, I mean, as far as I know, none of these guys would say yes. They're not, they're not that
0: stupid, you know? Okay, because uh, that's interesting because it's funny because we had a, not with the, U, not the U.S., but when, we were, when I was playing in Iran, mm-hmm. I was playing in Iran, and they made that presentation within the league, one of our sports performance. And sometimes in every certain country, there is their perspective of ethics and morals and the way they do it. So they did present us with that. They did say, "Hey, we have something in the sports science that we can produce the red blood cell to allow your recovery to be quicker." Okay, so you we can maximize performance during training, and then when when it's ready for competition, you're going you guys are all gonna have the edge over that. And about not all of them, but let's say sixty percent were willing to you know do it. But like and like I said, I'm not naming names, but it's, it's- – yeah, but that's right. I mean, whoever presented this
1: should be in jail. Number one, number one, clearly, you know. And uh, and yeah, I mean, I don't think. But first of all, I I can't talk about something that never happened or will never happen. Yeah. But because I will never be in a position to offer anything like this ever. But my guess
2: is. What are you talking about? I
1: mean, they were actually. They will actually like, kick me out, which is should. So I don't see this happening, honestly. You know? I'm not, I, yeah. I really don't believe this would, be, this would happen here. Maybe at the lower level, you know, this is what the same, you know. This is why I don't give the cyclists any benefit of the doubt. This is why I knew when Samsung was doping. Yeah. Because guess what the other one were? And he was winning. So, you know, the, this, this doesn't come as, as a surprise at all, you know. I mean, if you go back to this period, I, I spent a summer in France because we had a... Um, we had a um, had some legal paperwork problems, you know. So I missed one gold cup because of this. and you know, I was with That was that was two that was 2003 after the Confessions Cup. So I paid attention to Tour the France, which I never do. And then they had I don't know how many tests, and everybody was negative until the day after the Tour de France, when they cut co- they cut one uh, trainer at the border between it was Switzerland and whatever, Germany, and they cut the, the, the trainer with like, blood patches, uh, syringe, EPO, I mean, the whole speed, everything was in there, the guy finished third, of the Tour de France, so, the only thing that I'm saying is, you know, you knew, you knew, I mean, he couldn't do what he did, you know, uh, and, and be the only guy out there, that wasn't doping, because the other one, got convicted, if you look at, in retrospect of, the podium of we're talking to the France because it's the biggest one, but if the, the cycling event i mean I mean they all get caught pretty much, you know I mean all of the winners, like for like a ten year period get all, all caught convicted, and the only one who didn't was him, so until eventually you know he, he he came clean but that's that's you know and one of them is is dead, actually, Marco Pantani is dead, you know so uh, um yeah you know, and then you had, you had the, uh, you also, I mean, there were so many factors. The one that I wouldn't, that, that was mine. I was just looking at result and and test result and race result and if they get on top, you know, it's possible I not doing it, but I, I didn't buy it. And then you had the teammate. the teammate who come out as well. And there was just way, way too much smoke, you know? No. I'm not a fire. But going back to football, for me, I mean, 20 years ago, you know, I could tell some running running ability was just off the chart, and I'm young, and I have the same experience, but still, I'm like, I'm impressed, you know, I'm like, whoa, um, yeah, and I don't see, you know, this this was one chapter, you know, and uh, and right now, obviously, there's there's nothing like it. There's, I don't know, I don't know what product would have a football player, you know, just like. So it's due for, for some other sports.
0: Yeah, no. And now that from, from going from a little bit of sports science back to the, the soccer and coaching world and the football world, you know, you started your... Uh, um, senior team, U.S. national team uh, alongside Bruce Arena, and then you transitioned to um, Bob Bradley. In my opinion, I think Bob Bradley kind of cut short. I think he was on a good page to keep continue what he was doing. And you guys were doing some good stuff, especially the 2010 World Cup. It was going, I think, if they let even let it continue for the 2014, I actually think you guys would have been on a better pace from the 2010 to the 2014 um, with that kind of um, progression. Um, my take is based on those environments that you, you've been a part of from 2002, um, the player group from the 2002, 2006, and the 2010 World Cup, uh, and the environment created by Bruce and Bob, what were the things that kind of stood if you go from 22, 2002 first and then you progress to 2006 and then later on to 2010 in South
1: Africa? Yeah. Well, I mean, to start with, you know, since you mention it, um, I want to make clear that I, I'm I'm gonna. I agree with you. You know, I'm not going to speculate about, you know, would 2014 would have been better than you know what it has been if Bob was the coach, because who knows? I don't, and that's not my. I would never never go this route, but I do think that getting rid of Bob was the the worst decision at the worst time. You know, so this. I never changed my mind on, on this topic. Um, so, you know, it's same thing, you know, what I'm gonna tell you is, is how I felt. It doesn't mean that's the way it is, you know, but uh,
2: obviously from the
1: inside, um, I've lived these three World Cups differently, you know. Um, you know, I'm not going to answer the question about what group was the best because no one knows, you know, and again, it's just, it's so, uh, it's so personal at the same time that, you know, different people will say different things. So, but the one thing that I was thinking about it the other day, maybe the one thing that 2002 and maybe 2010 had in common is they had, to some extent, like a point to prove, you know, 2002, you come out of, you come out of a disaster in '98, and uh, and it's a different coach, and and it's a great team spirit, and it's the right mix of players. You know, you never know if the result makes the team great, or if the team, you know, you know, the team is influencing the result. And you know, it's just it's, it's two it's two things. You know, it's such a complex system. Um, but I, but I I, I had a, I had the feeling going into 2002 that we will do well um but i'm a young coach i'm 28 years old 20 uh, 2002 yeah i'm 29 years old you know so i'm I'm a young coach and uh this is based on the work that has been done and the part of you know i wasn't on in, i wasn't on the coaching staff side of things in terms of the tactics and i haven't lived a qualifying campaign you know this is my first world cup so it's really i would tell you I yeah, have a great feeling which i told journalists you know even before we play uh um, Portugal but it was hard to back it up you know like I would be able to tell you for 2006 2010 um, in 2006 the team is you know the team hasn't changed a lot compared to 2002 you know so you, you may be lacking some, some freshness um, yeah, at the end of the day this is not in Asia it's in Europe you know because the results of the US team are highly dependent as well on the draw on the location of the World Cup, you know. Um, and then to be fair, I think that uh, you can you can always you cannot turn back the clock, but some details changes everything. And you, know? you know, if that penalty against Ghana, you know, it's just like oof, you can show it to a million people. It was like, I mean, what's going on here? So 2010, again very different perspective for me because I'm I'm this time I'm really an active, not active, but in a great part of of the coaching staff. I've been with Bob for four years. We share an office. I'm doing the video, scouting. I'm an assistant. I'm supervising the physical. So, um, yeah, I'm playing a much bigger part, you know, um, or at least I'm much deeply involved than in being someone brought from the outside for a 2002 World Cup. And we have a special group. We have a special feeling amongst the players. So all the credit to the, to, to Bob for that. Um, again, this is a new, um, to some extent, you know, this is a new group. You know, it's the first World Cup for some players, uh, and it's the right mix. And we've had the Confessions Cup together uh, the year before, which 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 helps. You know, so we master the, the landscape. We master the uh, uh, the altitude. You know, we we. We've done all this. The
0: Confederation you know? Cup, you guys be upset on Spain, yes? We did in the semi final Big one.
1: Yes. And again, we had a common history. And, and you know, it's, you know, going back to my, my first statement before this, um, before my answer, you know, this, I mean, if you compare the results of that four years, you know, you know, and also for me, for my 10 years, you know, with national team, I was thinking at the end when he when he finished, it's gonna be hard to um, no matter what's happening next, and no matter who who's come next, I, I thought it'd be hard to do better, you know. Um not that not that we won anything, you know, that's the problem. We lost the Confucius Cup final, we did beat Spain in the semifinal, you know. We got out in a round of of uh of 16. Um but we uh but again, I think we've we've achieved a lot with the group. And if you ask anyone from that um, 2010 group, you know they would tell you this was a special time for the national team. But then, interestingly enough, if you ask, you know, I listened to Brian McBride. Um, he did a he did a podcast on US Soccer website, and he said, uh, you know, the O2 World Cup group was great for him, and then his best goal was the goal against Portugal of his whole career. You know, so. Um yeah, so for me again.
2: was
1: kind of maybe because you know it was it was really I was I was a, a part of the staff and I was like a real part of the staff when two thousand two I was the fitness coach, you know, there to deliver what he needs to do and and felt great. It was an incredible experience. I, I get along with the staff really great, but you know. I wasn't part of the qualifying process, so it's very different, you know, it's very different. I,
0: I totally get your vibe, and, you know, Pierre, it's funny, you have a unique approach. If you if I talk to you about, like, a player, you're one of those big-time players that's been participating in three World Cups. You know, you've been a part of three World Cups. I think uh, if if you had to ask anybody, you would know the ins and outs of a World Cup and how you participate in it. I think it's a one-month event. You have some x amount of games in it um if i go and ask you what are the key roles that play in a successful run for a world cup is it the player selection is it the way you recover in between games is it the environment of team camaraderie is it that group that you take that has amazing team spirit what is it for you that you're like you know what i observed 2002 i observed 2006 2010 yes we were fortunate in some bounces here and there but this is why either they were unlucky or lucky but what are the key roles that plays in a team achieving that ultimate success within a one month you know festival
1: um yeah i mean to say before i start to say we were fortunate i don't know if i'm going to say we're fortunate because i can give you more examples of bad call, bad bounces, you know, bad karma, then the opposite, you know. Let's be clear, you know, when you, uh, when you, uh, quote unquote, not anymore as much, but back then for sure, quote unquote, small teams, you don't get many breaks, you know. Uh, and this, I got a lot of story to tell you. Yes, there was the hand of John O'Brien against uh, Mexico, but before that, you know, there was like a Phantom PK, uh, uh, you know, against one team. There was, a, uh, um, you know, a handball on the line, you know, against Germany, which should be a red card in the PK, doesn't call. So, you know, Confessions Cup, when you have like two handballs on the line that don't get called, you know, there's so many. So I remember this one as much as I remember the the John O'Brien. So to answer your question now, first of all, you need need a team, you need talent, you know. So the answer, I'm going to give you a part of what I've lived uh, and what I've lived only with the U.S., which, you know, and cause there, this could be, I think to some extent the the, the criteria are the same for every team, but maybe the order is different. But at the end of the day, it's, it's you need you need talent, you know, you need someone able to manage the egos, you know, you've been someone able to prepare uh, the team. And this is why I know, obviously, that's my area of expertise. Um, yeah you prepare a team for an event like this, you know, you have five weeks camps and then the event could go for four weeks max. Okay. Um, I'm not so sure about the theory out there that you're going to, you know, they're going to get half ready at the beginning and then slowly, but surely they're going to pick to the final. You know, this is what you hear from big club. This is what you hear from France last time around. And I know the fitness coach really well is, he's now at Real Madrid, you know, and he's a, you know these are people extremely qualified and, and, and in a job. So I'm not so sure that what the uh, what the journalists are making of is actually true. You know you prepare a team to be you prepare twenty three guys to go to battle and and if possible, if it's not by the first game, it's by the second game. and not many teams can afford um, not to be uh, ready by, by the first game. The challenge that you have physically is that you have twenty three players playing twenty three different clubs. Sometimes it's not 23, but still you see, you see what I mean with different schedule, okay? So that's, you need to be able to get them on the same page physically. So the the success, the success uh, criteria would be the, the, the making of the group, no question, you know? And that's the job of a coach, you know, to pick the right players, the right mix of players, the right mix of personalities, you know? And then I would think that there are exceptions when the talent is not being picked, you know, um, I can give you many exceptions in the French team. I don't know if that's specifically true for, uh, for the other nation. You know, I don't know if Iran's got a superstar that, you know, that is the best player that players don't enjoy. You know, will he make the World Cup? My guess is yes. You know, so now you get France, Cantona, you know, didn't get along, then he doesn't make the World Cup and... Get, get, um, you know, there was a lot of French players that you thought would be the team that were not and sometimes it's because it's him and he, he really favours the other team camaraderie and team spirit we do as well as a US team um, but it's especially early you know I don't know if it's I don't know if it's still the case nowadays you know I'm not so sure because I'm not part of it you know it's been a long time but early there was a um, there was a real genuine feeling or, you know, getting together, you know, and, uh, you know, when we had a, a, a camp, you know, somewhere in the world, like, you know, we in the same spot, you know. Obviously, there was some, if you go back to 2002, this is, um, this is uh, eight months after 9-11. So, you know, there are some factors out there that makes some time special. But for me, it's really about, you know, you know I mentioned three already, then... Then you know I did discussion this morning with Jesse Marshall on the field on on the on the phone. You know about you know do you play differently? You know when you coach a national team. You know when you coach a when you coach a club team. You know you know how many teams out there? Like you know if 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 you if you're talking about style of playing. You know I mean and you want to name a national team. You know how would France play? Well, you know how France was playing. You know. France was playing a, a lot like you know a lot of the other teams are playing. You know it's 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 very compact. You know make sure you don't concede. It wasn't pretty at all. You know uh, and that's Deschamps style. So uh, it's also the it's also the coach's job to say hey these are my players. This is what I think would work for them. Or it's the coach's job to say you know this is our play. You know is it applicable to national teams? So it can go on forever, but. You know, the success factors, you know, I and mean, you know them, they are there. And they're the same for everybody. You know, right mix, right talent. If the players don't get along, you know, the Dutch team was a good example in 10, you know, you knew there was a lot of dissension. They made it to the final, which is an achievement, but with the talent that they have, you could tell there were so many stories coming from the inside that it's not ideal. Can it work? Yes, but it's not ideal. But I also believe that. That camaraderie, that special experience, comes with results, you know. So if you get the results, you know, then it makes that that part so much easier, you know. And it's almost natural. Uh, maybe if the guys get along real well, you know. If you don't get the result, and this is where you get really tested, is where you know is when adversity strikes, you know.
0: So no, I mean that's that's fantastic because I, it's funny how you say adversity. I want to actually take you to a mem- down memory lane uh, in the 2010 World Cup. I actually remember it where I was. I think I was in my room. I was watching on the TV. I actually broke my bed jumping out. I think you know where I'm going to go with this. It's the, Alger- yeah. it's the Algeria game. It's the Algeria game. I think, um, let's just say the, the five minutes prior to that goal happening, that buildup, knowing that you're basically, if you don't score the goal, you're out of it. And the goal just sends you through, and I think it sends you through as first place. It sends you through as first place. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you can walk us through that, like, that moment on the coaching staff, what's going through your mind personally? And then right when it happens, what's, I mean, that feeling that you guys get as a nation, uh, if you can walk us through that moment, that'll be great.
1: Um, So we are in Ellis Park, was it Pretoria or Johannesburg, you know? Because I remember the Vuvuzela. I remember the stadium. And I want to say it was at Joburg because we had a third game at Altitude. So to be verified, you know? That was part of our strategy as well. Um, because, because, again, that's an example of a late goal where we kept pushing, we kept pushing. So when you come about uh, mentality, you know, and then that was, that was one trademark, you know, of, of, a, of a group. You know this is a uni- this is this is a unified group, so that game was very special for me because twenty out of the twenty three players for Algeria are playing in France, so I mentioned that back that back then I was doing this the we share the scouting, you know I mean obviously Bob is staying on top of things and and um, doing scouting himself, but then I was in charge of uh, England and Algeria, and Jesse Marsh was in charge of Slovenia, you know. So, you know, you spend six months calling around. I mean, I i have called club coaches in France that I would tell me, you know, what the hell are you calling me for? Say, well, you get this Algerian player, you know. It's just like, I mean, why not? You know? Um, and I'm sitting on the bench. Again, I'm pretty sure the three subs are done, you know, because we had
0: Yeah, they were done. They were done.
1: <laughs> um, Talking about adversity, you know, that day. You can throw this into the, uh, the category of the, uh, of the, um, the calls that don't, don't go your way. Clean score, you know, like 20 minutes in. You know, we're up on 0 and they call it back. That's the second time they do, you know. The game is most, most goal against Slovenia should, be, should have put us through to the next round, you know. So, again, um, and I'm sitting on the bench. This is, obviously, I don't remember the whole thing, but I remember thinking to myself, I don't know. No, we're not gonna go back home with three with three ties, three points, and we're not gonna go back home because we tied these guys. Because early on they were very conservative, you know. They, I mean, I watched I watched some edits, some highlights, maybe two or three weeks ago, and I'm like, because we we had we had, a, we had a bunch of chances, you know. And then and I'm like, no, 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 this is not possible in And I remember telling myself this, you know. And uh, and then. At one point, again, there is the um, one of the players for Algeria, you know, that uh, that was playing his friends. You know, he's asking the bench in front of me, say, how much time is left? You know, and I, I have this memory. I'm like, what does he care? You know, how much time is left? Because, you know, what, what, one point doesn't, doesn't do them any good you know, from the get-go when they were playing conservative, I'm like, you know, what, is, that, is that what they're looking for to get a point against us? You know? So, and then the game developed and you can tell they're trying at some point to win. Um, but I remember him, he could have been the 85th, whatever is in front of us and he's asking in French, you know, to the bench. He said, how much time is left? And I'm thinking, what, how does he care? And then I'm thinking, no, no, we're not going back. We're not, we're not going back home with quite undefeated, you know? not with, And, 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 and the goal against uh, Slovenia, like you know, just the Moedu goal, just like I'm like, this is not. I mean, I'm like, never going to leave after that if that happens. And then the goal comes, you know, and um, and I just remember being on the corner flag and just letting it go because I'm like, you know what? You deserve this one, so let's celebrate like it's like there's no tomorrow. And, and I, it's bizarre because at this moment where you know, you know. Obviously, it was the whole staff there. Jed the Emerit almost chopped my head off because it is a flip on top of the dog pile and literally his boot had like, come this close to my head. And, uh, and then I'm thinking right away, okay, the ref is from Belgium, you know, so it's not over because it's the 91st minute. There's three minutes left, so I'm going to try to waste some time. And, I'm, and if you look at the footage, uh, we broke the goalpost, the, the corner flag, you know, we broke the corner flag. So I'm picking up the corner flag and I'm talking to him in French. It's just us left. I ss I don't think we can salvage this one. And he goes, yeah, I mean, put it there. You know, let's finish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so now the next pressure is like, okay, we we'll am get three minutes. You know, it would be even worse if they score now. And at the end, it was great. I mean, at the end, it was so great, you know.
0: And, yeah, well, and I, I, think that, I think that goes down as one of the most historical U.S. national team feelings in, in U.S. history. I mean, it was... It was so great, just the celebration, the, everything behind it. You, you saw it coming because they were parking. They were sitting back there. You're pushing. You're pushing. And then what happened in the Sylvania game, it was one of those games that you, U.S. didn't deserve to go out in group stages. It was like like you said, it was the un, not the fortunate call, the unfortunate. You're like, this is, this is going to be robbery, you know, because yeah. of how unfortunate in the Sylvania game and prior to that moment it was.
1: Yeah, and again, this is a statement to, to the team we were back then and, you know, the resilience, the team spirit, we can face adversity. We had been down so many times, you know, but we we were, we were knew what we were about, you know. We knew what we were capable of and, and then, you know, you know, it's not tooing my own to say that also physically we can make it happen, you know. Um, so we're down against England. We're down against Slovenia by two at halftime, you know. And in this one, we should be up, but we're not. And then we... we, we we go and then we go and we get it at the end and it was just like the locker room after that was great obviously you know the, the coaching staff had to, to transition right away and to go get scout and we had a game to scout because Germany was about to play Ghana uh, uh I think it was Germany Ghana yeah so you know and again we won the group so within like a minute you're going home next minute you not only do you qualify but you, you win the group so Yeah, it was unique. I've lived some with the national team again because I think that decade we achieved a lot, but
0: that one was unique. That one was a good one. Now if we transition, Pierre, to the evolution. I think uh, you came in the U.S. in the late 90s with the NCAA and then from there to the U.S. national team. Then you went to the UAE and you went to Swansea and England. You've been in several countries, several continents. since the late nineties and then all the way till the gal, your galaxy times, how has the evolution of, of sports science grown? And what are the significant strides you've seen? Because you've been behind the scene at the highest level for 20 plus, like 20 plus years, 20 plus years. So, um, just, just share your um, story and your, your feelings behind that. Well, the evolution
1: is like, I mean, Again, to understand, you know, how much it's it's evolving or it has evolved, you got to turn around and take a look and uh, and remember, you know, how it was. You know, let's say when I moved to the US in in nineteen ninety nine, um, you know, there was there was no fitness for soccer. Believe it. I mean, you know, the question mark is, you know, MLS was this is the third season of MLS. You know, so the landscape was so different. So different. Um, so I was like one of the pioneers, you know. There's just probably two, three of us uh, that are still around, you know, um, that had interest and knowledge and expertise, you know, and found a way to get an opportunity, you know, because, you know, there were not media back then. Um, so it is, and it, the evolution has gone on like exponentially since then. And again, if you look at me now, you know, so I haven't been with a club. Since last year with the Galaxy, the technology goes exponentially, even in one year, you know. So if you go over a 20-year period, it's just, I it, mean, you know, back then there was no, there was like cardio, you know, and the system, you know, when, this, when the system came out, well, it was available in Europe, but it wasn't working in the U.S. So I spent like spent two years debugging it on the phone with people in Europe overnight uh, for this to work. And you know, that's what, that was the, uh, the tool back then, you know. Now this is like a a very useful, you know, but almost like a um, a basic tool, you know. And and that toolbox again, you better be ready because, you know, I'm I'm having a um, I'm having like a, a, not a webinar, but you know, on Thursday afternoon, you know, I'm talking to one of these companies that is uh, that is putting things out there that I think makes sense and. You know, and you have you have many more, you know, and back then, you know, there was there was none because maybe there was no market. The technology was so different. Um, so sports science is just I mean it's almost like it's there was a sport back then, you know, there was very little science. And now you have uh, like you really have like a sports science uh, area and you have sports science department in clubs, you know. When back then, you know, if you stay at a club, you know, um they probably didn't want a fitness coach. And even if they wanted one, literally there was no one out there, you know. So this, is, this was my reasoning when I get to U.S. soccer in, in, uh, in Four, And I said, listen, you know, they have, they have fitness coaching certification in all these federations, you know. And here you have the league, you know. They're starting, to, they're starting to, um, to be a demand, you know, from clubs, you know. But they want, you know, they want people that are equipped, you know, willing and able, you know, and also uh, have been trained. So we need to put something in place. This is what we did. Um, now you have the internet. I mean, the knowledge, I mean, the amount of knowledge that you have over the last two months on the internet for webinars, you know. I could go on and on and on. I mean, some of them, you can question, the, the you can debate, you know, the quality of some of them, you know. I mean, for me, I find myself listening to some and then, after an hour and a half, I had one takeaway message and I'm like, well, I'm not sure it was worth it, you know. But at the end of the day, this is incredible access to, uh, to, to knowledge that, you know, we didn't have back then. And um,
0: it's, so. it's insane when you say because a lot of the younger generation don't get it. Like, I, I thought it was fascinating what Tim Grover said about Michael Jordan, how Michael Jordan's like, I like my cigars. This is why I'm paying you to figure out how to do it. And Tim Grover was like, look. I wish I was a kid in today's generation where I can just Google it. I had to go to the library say, you know what? This reference says you can't do this. It says after the game. So it's like it's insane from going to libraries. Now you have database right in front of you. If you don't like it, you can, like you said in the webinar, click off. But yeah. the amount of yeah. movement you had to do to get re- references is insane. Yeah. But, you know, and, and what I you –
1: know, I, I, I didn't watch it, but then – the one thing that you still have, you know, no matter how much knowledge is out there, you know, is you, you know, to make a judgment call, you know, and actually made it easier on him because he he decided for him. Um, You're still dealing with individuals, like different, you know, they're very different. So in this case, it's really coaching a player. So, you know, the challenges are, are there, but it's not as complicated as what we would live because we, you know, we coaching a, a group of players and that human um, factor, that human bond that you can have with some players and you may not have with other ones, you know, is a is a big part of the um, big part of the job, you know. So now we're in this world where there is data. I mean, anything out there is producing data. You know, when you talk about the evolution. Um, so Darren Burgess was saying two days ago in one, one thing online that it's more, it's one thing that is learned over the last 20 years, and again we're the same age. You know? So these are the you know, when we talk about pioneers, you know, he was with the Australia team in you know, 010, for example. And it's more art, it's more art than data. This is one thing that is learned um over the last 10, 15 years, and this is one what I it's a better way to say it, you know, because English is not my first language at the end of the day, but it's uh, it's exactly what I was what I've been trying to explain to uh, some younger uh, uh, elements or some younger people in my staff, you know. Um, you know, our, what we do is a little piece of the equation. What you do is a little bit of our equation and, and an even smaller piece of the team equation, you know. And, uh, and it's about, you know, it's about everything else, you know. You master that side, you know. Can you master the team environment? Can you master the team dynamics? Um, can you do you know exactly when to go to this player? What time of the day, as opposed to the player? Can you read the signs? You know all that stuff. It's not taught at the university, or it's not taught online. You know this is one thing you have to learn on site, uh, and um, and then yeah. So this is what you know. When I heard you know, it's more it's art more than data. It's it's it was a good way to sum it up. Um, yeah.
0: Fantastic. So I can't have an interview with you without bringing up a player. There is a player you've dealt with, I think, in my opinion, I think is probably the most polarizing, most biggest superstar in Zlatan Ibrahimovic you've dealt with.
1: What what is Beckham?
0: (laughs) Beckham, yes, but I don't think any stronger personality than Zlatan Ibrahimovic has has been. Oh,
1: that's a fair point. That's a fair point.
0: I think, yes, Beckham, superstar, but I think a genuine person. I think Zlatan is one of those unique, uh, as a coach, you have to manage. How do you manage? As a player, what, how do you deal with, you know, for me, if we transition away kind of from the sports science and you dealing with, because I know your background is not psychology, but you've dealt with the, probably the highest level of psycholo- psychologically sports performance people. And in Zlatan, your days with LA Galaxy, what was the things that stood out to you about that athlete? and we can even dissect the sports performance. What made him unique? What made him click? What is it that separates not only him, but players like him from the rest? Um,
1: yeah. I mean, going back to what I was saying before, you know, the university cannot prepare you to deal with that. Time. <laughs> Number one. So what makes it uh, so special? What is it's, you know, actually it's pretty simple. You know, I think it's uh is a physical specimen, you know, um, is when you now talking football to start with, you know, there's not, there's not another example of a big guy, because he's big, you know, he's probably 6'5, you know, uh, 210 pounds, uh, with such big feet and such great feet. you know. That's number one, you know, so from a pure technical standpoint. Now, physically, uh, he's incredibly strong. Is incredibly flexible, you know, and I think a lot of it goes back to his uh, martial arts um, expertise and also, uh, you know, experience. Uh, and then, lastly, as a as a football player, is um, a is a cerebral, believe it or not. You know, he sees things. You know, so it's a perfect stone. Um, he can he can read the game. it's um, not. You know, obviously, mentally is is uh, also a freak because nothing is a is not afraid of anything. You know, nothing is going to impress him. Um, he's he's physically stronger, and he's uh and he's technically better. So I know it's pretty it's pretty simple answer, but he uh, might have a very serious injury today. I read, I read on. The, I read online that he may have a. Achilles, which would be most likely the end of his career. Um, You know, he navigated through all these years at the highest level with really one major injury, the one that he had before coming to the galaxy. Um, And he he was still performing at the highest level. So, technically, very, I mean, technically unbelievable. Um, You know, um, knowledge of the game, you know, the way we read the game, um, all that stuff is just unique. Just unique. You know, but again, what 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 separates him as a, as an athlete is is his strength and his flexibility, which actually these two go together. Um,
0: yeah, you know, like for me, I think he's an exception. He's an exceptional athlete. He's an exceptional player. One of the best. When I'm hearing in the news, poor teammate. You know, he's. He's not a teammate like this. I, I look at it like the same thing when you look at the documentary of Michael Jordan or certain people. When you're at a certain level, I think you tolerate there's excellence. It's got to live up. It's like why are you at that highest level if, you, if this is not it? And so I, I disagree with what the players are saying around that. I actually make me look at the, those players a certain way compared to that. From you that you've seen the behind the scenes. How, do you, how did you view him as a teammate, as a competitor? I'm, and I'm not talking about the game. We see the game. I'm talking yeah. about the locker room. I'm talking about the practices, the day-to-day that you, you have the eye and you're like, hey, take it back. This guy's special. This guy puts in the work.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, um, I mean, you're not the only one, you know, who thought watching the last dance, you know, I was telling my wife, you know, as, I, as I'm watching it, I was like, tell you what, this is just like Zlatan, you know. And then as I'm saying it, uh, my ex-assistant, Adam, is putting it on Twitter, you know. It's like watching, uh, you know, Zlatan on TV. So we're thinking the same thing at the same place. Now, you know, we only see the tip of the iceberg, you know, on Michael Jordan doing this, you know, X, X many years with the, with the, with the Bulls. Zlatan was at the Galaxy for uh, a season and a half, you know, with me. Um, You know, no question that he's trying to teach his teammates uh, something. That he's trying to send a message that, you know, uh, never back down, you know, face adversity. You know, if I'm, you know, if I'm, if I'm changing you, you know, there's a reason for it, you know. So, you know, we get that. Everybody get that. Um, how it's received also by some, you know, as we know, 25 players, you know, so if you catch a player on a bad day, you know, just like you would catch Latan on a bad day, then maybe you will adjust your speech. Latan will not adjust his speech. This is, you know, and again, I know where he's coming from. I know what he has in mind, you know, no question. Listen, uh, adapt, you know, adapt to me and then you will end up, you know, better, you know, or he would benefit you. Uh, but it's a big transition for some teammates for some players. Again, um, so he was, you know, you knew, you know, you knew. I mean, you don't have to be on the inside to know, you know, what kind of character he is. The one thing I can tell, him, I can tell you about him is like, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's still a very good person. He's a very good human being, you know, that, uh, you know, Nine times out of ten, when if he when and if he cracks a joke, you know, we look at you with a smirk, <laughs> and it is very funny guy. He's just he's such a funny guy as well, you know. Mm-hmm. I had a talk with him early on. I said, "This is who I am. You know, this is what you know, how I react." And he appreciates, you know, when you stand up to him. No, and that's, and, that's the key, you know. And, it, and, and it, you have to.
0: You it. have to because if you don't, good luck. Uh, you coached the play again. Co- sorry. I said you coached a player in the 2006 on Yahoo that stood up to him. Uh, Gouche did, you know. But, and and
1: Gouche probably would to this day, you know. Uh, and I must, that was a good fight. I, I, must, I must say, it would be an interesting fight, even today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and going back to Satan, I know, for example, I, I needed him um, because um, a, friend of a, a daughter of a, of a good friend of mine in France um, get diagnosed with a bad but
2: now
1: I had a video message to send So you know, meanwhile I don't talk to him for eight months. That's why I'm saying that um that he's a good yeah he's a good person, you know, he's a good person. And part of the character that you see is made of, you know, because he exaggerates. Um, and then and then him within the team, you know, it was it was different from many of the players that that had been around. Um, but it'd be interesting to ask them now that they've seen the last dance, you know? How do you perceive Latin? And maybe some of them would say, you know what, now you get it, you know? So, um, but I again, mean, like anything else, everything gets blown up out of proportion these days. There's so many people looking for dirt that, uh, yeah, it's, I it's nowhere near as bad.
2: If you've
0: like, been a, if, and I think, Pierre, you know it too. You've been around this so many years. The, the, the way some players, like even if you go to Cristiano Ronaldo, I, I know deep down the guy's an amazing guy. I know Messi. They're just the com- the competitors on the field creates an image that a lot of media, um, for some reason, maybe they never played at that level. Obviously, they didn't. That didn't play at that level on some of them. And they try to create an image because that image sells for them. But, um, you know, Zlatan does a good job running with it, and he knows how to, you know promoted in aspects as well um
1: no, like i said he's a funny guy he's, he's a funny any, guy. No any, any, any funny story i got plenty plenty funny yeah, yeah, sometimes sometime when it's talk. about somebody else you know you think it's really funny the day hit you you don't think it's that funny you know but you gotta go with the flow but uh you know again for me on day two he was saying hey, in front of the, you know i guess I barely knew him, but he knew I was French. He was coming from France, you know, and he was cracking jokes in front of the whole team about the French. <laughs> and then next thing you know, you know, he was doing his strength in the weight room, and I go to Zlatan, and I said, Zlatan, just for you to know, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm good, you know, I'm, I'm, I, take, I can take a lot, you know, and I'm, I'm, I can play, you know, I'm a good player, you know, no problem, we can, we can crack jokes, you know, but there be one day maybe where I wouldn't take it as well. And he was like, no, yeah, I'm kidding. I said, well, I know you're kidding. But I'm still telling you, you know, and and again, you uh doesn't prevent him for he hasn't prevented him from you know uh, you know grab you and once once he grabs you, man, he he grabs you for the day. He's gonna ride you for the day. Um, but again, he can take that, and I think he respects that. And oh, there were so many of them. Like I said, I, I don't want to share this in in uh, in the podcast because it's no one else, it's no one's business, you know, other than the team. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So again, for me, I knew it that you know he, he was a good guy because I see how he reacts. You know, not not necessarily when the cameras not are not on because he, he's used to the cameras. But you know what I mean. You know, sometimes, sometimes you you, you get moments where you can see someone true personality. And uh, and I give you the example of you know like a few months ago when you know you need for something and and for him it's common sense. You know he. He, he comes right away. So that's, that to me is how you judge people, you know? Um, sure. For the little thing that people would do when, when that no one knows about, you know, and that are not designed to be known.
0: And they're not looking, no one's watching you and you're doing those things without being, yeah. watched. that goes, that goes. Yeah.
1: Because you know, now, now you know the guy is not pretending, you know, he's not a poser. There's so many posers out there nowadays that, you know, the guy is he's doing what he wants to do and he has, and he gets, Nothing in return, other than you know, knowing he does the, the the right thing. So,
0: no, fantastic. I mean, Pierre, I know. Even when you went to South Africa, you've run, uh, run a, um, run into people like Nelson Mandela. You've 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 met inspirational people and anything throughout your career and your pathway in the world of soccer and football. This is some unique times with this pandemic, with this coronavirus. Um, I want to know, since you've run along these inspirational people and you've, you are at the highest level, any message for aspiring players, aspiring coaches, families during this unique time of how to stay inspired, you know, how to um, you know, use this, let's say, time out and to lay, lay a good foundation so when you do, it kind of catapults you into a, you know, a bright future ahead. Um, so, if, I'll give the, give the floor to you and a message that you kind of have, if if any.
1: I don't know if I can be really inspirational, you know, especially for for young kids that are there. The way I would approach it, the way I tell my kids is that, you know, we mentioned adversity before, so that's that's that would qualify as adversity. And you know, there is this saying in coaching, you know, you control what you can control. So. So, my son right now is, you know, he, he was, um, he finishes freshman year of, of college here at home, um, doing stuff online. He's a track athlete. And then, you know, you have two ways to look at it, you know, whether you uh, face adversity or if you run away from it. So, facing it is control what you can control, uh, do what, you know, uh, do your program, you know, go run, you know, and some why we couldn't run then do what you can do at home and the rest is is out of your hands you know so that's that's a simple message but you know it's some something that you always have to keep in mind you know? you uh, sometimes um, you know if it's out of you uh, if it's out of your hands it's out of your hands you know and and same thing in coaching in coaching you know as you know you gotta turn the page move on turn the page move on when you play turn the page move on it's not easily done, um, but you know that's what needs to be done. You know? yep. So, a lot of it is mental, you know, especially right now. Um, and again, it, you know, I, I've I've noticed over my career that when it comes to mental messages, when it comes to um, like sports psychology, however you want to call it, you know, uh, the, the shorter the message, the better. You know, unfortunately, just like for Any kind of stimulus, different people respond differently to different stimulus. We had. Um, So if my message here, control what you can control, doesn't work, you know, then it may need to be heard something else, need to be, uh, you know, needs to be heard from someone else, you know, or differently from the same person. But I know it always resonates to me, you know, Uh, control what you can control. There's always a saying also in coaching that I use is never too high, never too low. You know? It's never good. Emotionally, you always want to be in that middle zone. You know. And if you refer to um, I mean, I can give you an example of I, I can give you a practical application of never too high, never too low to pretty much everything we've talked about over the last hour. You know, we knew that Algeria, we my I was telling my players, Algeria is an emotional team. They're emotional, you know. This is, by definition, there's the nature of them, they're emotional. And if they don't deal well with adversity. So next thing you know, we score on them, in the next minute, they get a red card, you know? So that was part of the plan. I wish it would have happened, you know, in 10 minutes in the game. Um, and then, then, same thing here, you know, you just, you know, you just have to uh, keep your emotion in check and then control what you can control, deal with what's happening, and then look at what you can do what's in your power, you know, and then do it. And then the rest, never too high, never too low, you know? You can feel, you can, in sports, you don't want to feel great one day and bad the other day, you know? Not even within a, a three-day period. You know, you know it's, it's not going anywhere. So it's fun and, and, you know, part of the scouting when you scout countries at the national level, you know, is, uh, is the cultural making. You know, I mean, when you and you know it when you travel the world as well. You know, you don't. You know, when I went to the UAE, the players were very emotional. there. Again, you know, I don't know if it's the same
0: ran, You know, it's just it is. It is. I the Middle East. It is. I don't know. if, I think it's a culture thing. It's a very emotional stage. It's it's very impulsive. It's very emotional. Right. There's a lot of pressure um, culturally, society from society. You know. Um, so and they take it. They don't just. You know how some people can leave it behind the line but when they take it they take it with themselves to the fields too. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a
1: yeah. problem. I know uh, sometimes you know this is how I would explain the the multiple coaching changes in the UES because you lose a game you know it's just like there's no there's no big picture you know there's no long-term plan you know they just can overcome that rush of most of the time negative emotion you know and 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 he explodes and unfortunately I think he uh, it's very detrimental for them, you know, when when you apply this to uh, to high-level sport, you know, um, because you get into position. Like, picture ourselves being um, being so emotional after you know the goal against Slovenia got called back, you know, or the the the, the, um, the Clint's goal got called back. You know, you would just lost your mind and then focus. You know, and, and in the end, we, we had this like, strength in us that, and mental strength that kept going. And then luckily, you get rewarded at the end. So so yeah, I mean, again, I'm not, I don't know what else I can say, but that's something that I thought is very relevant at any age over the years. You know? It, it is. What you, it
0: is. And, you know, it's funny how you say it. Um, the last time I heard someone say that was, I believe it was the, the late and great Kobe Bryant. Uh, he he was the same way where it said, you, you can't go high and you can't go low. You've got to be here always. Because when you go too high and you're excited in the thing, you're going to be out of place again. If you go too low and it's down, you're going to be uh, not trusting yourself. Your confidence is dropping. So that's a that's a fantastic point And that's so important. It's so simple, but it's so important. And people don't um, pay attention to that point. Um, yeah, what it requires, you know... Um yeah,
1: you gotta be able to look at yourself, uh, you know, and then this introspection going on, you know, you get it. Yeah, sometimes people get carried away, you know. Now, you, let's, let's, um, you know, even, like for example, right now, you know, if I'm a position or looking for the next job, you know, if if sometimes, you know, when I was at the top, you know, I beh- behave in one, in, in a way that I, you know, I would rub people the wrong way and they would say, who the hell is this guy? You know, and uh, then it will come back to to haunt you. You know, or if I would be way too low, I'm saying, you know what, I'm not good enough. No one's gonna want me. It's not worth it. You know, it's close. It's closely related with karma. You know, I really believe in karma. I said that you know, you get you get what you deserve, and then you know, you plant your own seeds So.
2: I mean, he's like the perfect example. You know,
1: he people he, works around him in the organization. You know, he he have a genuine interest in in these people's lives. He, he's very steady. He's very steady. Always, he always zeroes in on. Never never too low. Doesn't mean that you're not focused and. Uh, and intense, it's almost the opposite. You're always conscious that this is the zone you got to stay in, and in order for you to do so, these are the things you should do, and more than anything, the thing you shouldn't do. You know, so, no,
2: no, this
0: is so
1: sometimes people interpret this as just like, okay, well, you got to be led back. Oh, no, no, it's <laughs> it's more complicated than this,
0: it is, and it's it's easier said than done. I think people like, oh, oh. absolutely, they're like, oh. Pierre, always in the middle. Okay. So imagine that, that, that whole dream job you want. Let's see if you get too excited or can you go into that interview totally calm, you know? So it's all of those moments uh, that play. It's, it's, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I,
1: I mean, you go back to the Algeria example. Let's perfect example, because that's one of the few times where I say, you know what? I'm going to be high here. But I was conscious. You know, I knew where I was. I knew what I was doing, you know? But I was like, you know what? It's six months of work, you know? Hopefully, we in, and I'm going to enjoy that two seconds. That's and a then, great
0: point you said about being conscious. That's great. You know, I say that. That's absolutely. I know where
1: I was. I know what I was doing. I know what time it was in the game. You know, That's part of the job. If you don't know, then you, you shouldn't be doing it. But I flipped the switch back on right away. I said, now there's three minutes. Okay, let's go back. And then you got to stay in there because you get another game in two or three days. So, you know, you know, I was, you know, people hated Thierry Henry because, you know, he would never celebrate his goal. And the way I read this to me was that he was celebrating, but he was staying in his zone, you know. He wasn't pretending. You know? He wasn't like showing, you know, pretending being someone else. That's just his way, and maybe that was his way to, to stay level.
0: Oh, for sure. So before we close it out, um, last question from me to you. Favorite team of all time? Favorite player of all time? Favorite team? You mean in general? I know that I've been part of. Uh, yeah, you don't have to be a part of it. Any okay, okay. Um. It can be any sports as well, and it can be favorite player. For me, it's going to be one. For me, it's going to be football. Um. Oh. Uh, uh,
2: Ninety-eight
0: France team.
1: No. Okay. No. No, because. Uh, no, I get these teams when I was young, you know, my, the team that I grew up with, FC Mets, you know. It's to you know, they won two cups. I talked with the current coach yesterday. Um, you know, my first date with my wife was in the stadium, behind the goal, I was 16. Um, so that's the, that's the team I grew up with, you know. And then also Real Sociedad back then, but it was really that team because it was different. Who's was was oh, the he, player on that team? Oh, you wouldn't know. I mean, literally, uh, I mean, the one you would know that comes from us is is uh, uh, Robert Pires. You know Robert Pires? He oh, yeah. played for France. Yeah. Pires. So he played for Mets. But that was, again, we're talking, we're talking like, you know, when I'm, in, when I'm in middle school, you know, so that was a long time ago. Uh, but obviously, the team is still around and that's, yeah, that that's been that's been the team. I don't have a favorite team.
0: How do you pronounce the team, you know, pr- team again?
1: FC Mets, M E T Z. Actually, Gooch play for them because cool. I was I gave them I gave them a few names back 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 in two thousand two. I said, hey, scout the U.S. You know, this is these are a few names you should look at, and Gucci and they're playing for them. Nice. Um, again, other than that, you know, I don't have a very favorite, I, have a, I have a lot of. Teams I follow and I and I enjoy, but I don't. I've never had a, like a favorite team. You know?
0: Favorite player of all time?
2: Um,
1: how much time do you have? Cause I don't want to <laughs> say something that I don't want to say something that I would regret. Um,
0: and you can go any sport. Well, I, I tell you what,
1: I really like the Bruyne right now. You know,
2: okay.
1: I really enjoy. You know, because I'm. I was glad when my son said, Hey, you know what, my little one, you know, he's eight years old. He said, you know, I want a Kevin De Bruyne jersey. I said, Wow, that's a great pick. You know, let me show you why. You know. So I enjoy him. First of all, I think he's an incredible player and I like his demeanor. You know. Speaking of never too high, never too low, is is I think he's, I think he's world world class right now. And I don't know if he's getting enough credit. So he would be one right now for sure, of all time. Probably not, but because, again, I, I don't think I've had one. I don't think I've had one, you know. I wouldn't pick. I wouldn't be able to differentiate a uh, Maradona to
0: a... Platini, yeah, I don't know. Platini, like I
1: said. Yeah.
0: What? Platini, Cantona, Zizou. Mm. agree.
1: Yeah, no, because, you know, I watched the game and I... I, I think I can appreciate all the other ones as well. You know, uh, and then you're going to see like a great performance on the day, on the day. You know, obviously, um, yeah, I was, I, I hope too many people won't get offended by this, but I re-watched France-Brazil 2006, um, maybe three weeks ago. And I did, for me that day, Zidane was insane. I mean, insane. But then I watched a game and I was like, yeah, it was good, but it was insane, you know. I mean, there was a lot of technical stuff, and then some plays and passes. And, I mean, and his, his influence on that game that day was off the charts. You know? I mean, he single-handedly um, focused the attention of the Brazilian when he was spraying balls right and left. But I, you know, in memory, had I had an even better performance. You know, so obviously, he was an incredible player. Platini was. You know, there was like a, there was like a, a midfield. Back in the day with France, like a midfield four, because it was Platini was one, but for me it was Tigana Gires and and Fernandez. These guys were like incredible as a unit, you know. So I don't watch a game saying this guy is the man, you know. But but right now I've cu- I've cut myself uh, lately saying like you know watching c- City games and like De Bruyne is just
0: so. And it's funny, De Bruyne, De Bruyne. I I, I totally agree with you, and I and I love your whole analogy of can't get too high get, can't get too low and if we got to go with the Algeria example for Zidane I got to go with the 2006 being able to chip the Buffon. you know who's in goal you know the the stage and it's zero zero still like mm-hmm. it shows to me it's not about the technique it's I mean technique and all of them have it but it's that those moments that you're like look this guy he, he's cold-blooded like he he's even you know and
1: yeah. But here's the kind of example to this. This cold-blooded guy head-buried uh, <laughs> Matarazzi, you know, with 10 <laughs> minutes left. So, I agree. fair point. So that was... But, uh, I mean, I, I couldn't name you, like, you know, I couldn't name you a list of 10 players that have been, you know, like, very influential that I, felt like, that I thought, during a certain period of time, was, like, you know, quite dominating. But... Uh, but not, not one favorite player, you know,
2: no. Not, sorry. No,
0: I mean, 2010 Messi? I'm, and I'm just calling 2010 because you were there in person.
1: Well, I was, I, I actually was at uh, Mexico, Argentina. Um, no, no, I mean, I, I was, I rewatched the uh, two days ago, the... The 14th final. 25. No, was it the fourteen final?
0: Yeah, That was an unfortunate one, I think. That, that was his. He could have. That, that should have been Messi's World Cup. And, and, and I didn't remember that that game was
1: almost like, I mean, I won't say one-sided, but it was heavily tilting toward Argentina. I forgot about that, you know. So, uh, and then in 2018, we took care of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it. A- so, uh, no, this is special. I mean, listen, this. I mean, again, we've played. I mean, you know, the US. We've played Argentina. You know,
0: were you, uh, you, were, you were part of the technical staff in that four-three game. Was it four-three with the uh, with the free kick he scored on USA? is it
1: four-three? No, I think I remember a game in the Netherlands. Uh, that might have been. A- was it 4 No, it wasn't 4-3. Maybe I don't was, remember, I,
0: When was you? I'm, I'm thinking if it was a Copa America one. Um,
1: I, then I was probably there. I wasn't probably there because I haven't been to... A, there has been a Copa America in 2007, but I wasn't there. Okay. You know? I
0: think it was a Bob... I think um, Bob Bradley and his son were a part of that team because he... That was
1: 2007 when I think they went to the Copa America, but that's my only way, year away from the national team I was with Red Bull. And... Uh, And then, but Messi, I played Argentina before, I played Argentina in New York. Messi was part of the 2005 Under-20 World Cup. That's a great story, because uh, we beat, we beat, um, I wasn't at the Cup, but I prepared the team. Ziggy was the coach, and the first game was against Argentina. And then we beat Argentina 1-0. Chad Barrett scored the goal, and Messi wasn't starting. He came on a halftime. Wow. from the time he came on well we still won the game but they won everything else and I guess back then they won the the u 20 World Cup And, and back then the reasoning was that it was the first game and they wanted to send a message that it wasn't exactly there was some kind of scandal that it wasn't exactly developed in Argentina so and then we were very surprised that it wasn't started and he was playing a page so he was one year younger and from the second he came on and And the U.S. had a very good 20 World Cup because they beat Argentina, they beat Egypt and Germany, and then they were up against Italy and then lost. uh, eventually lost to to Italy. But in the meantime, Argentina, they they played six games and a half with Messi and then won six, Taiwan.
0: And then Pierre, he was playing an age up during that time. When you observed him, you're like, this guy's going to be special. Could you have seen it at that time too? Well,
1: I was watching on TV. Yeah, no, no, listen, he was already known, yeah. you know. People, people knew who he was back then, you know. So that's why he was like, the hell, we've heard about this guy from Barcelona. He's just been starting and get, getting some minutes with the first team. He's not starting the u uh, twenty World Cup for And uh, no, it, I told you, I mean, when he came on, he, he was just, it's uh, different, you know. It's even more true at the, uh, the youth level. You know, people can, I mean, when you, this is a guy that was starting to make a difference, you know, uh, against players two or three, four, five, six, 10 years older than him. So now when you restrict him to players his age, imagine, imagine what
0: he looks like. People don't realize that some of these guys could play against players that were seven years older than them when they were like 13, 14 and 15 like people don't realize it. if you just t- say to i'm talking about people parents or anyone in the game that haven't gone through it you're like look there's reasons these individuals are where they are they were at the youth level they were different they were different clearly clearly
1: you know and again this is this is kind of uh know, Joe journey i 17, you know uh, you know, there's a lot of, in Ephraim at the Galaxy, and Efraín Alvarez is also very young. There's a lot of young players this age that can compete at um, at um, at the senior level. The question is, you know, how much influence do they have on the on the game and the team and so forth? Messi was already a, a team changer and a game changer, you know. So, yeah, no, but yeah, no. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Messi is a. You know I hate that feeling like best of all time, you know, great of all time, you know what time are we talking about? you know you just can not compare they're just like incredible players and um and you never be able to uh you never be able to compare them you know never unless they play at the same time you know on the same field but uh you know um yeah, and then i agree. I like to see the impact of the players on the team, you know let's put it this way
0: no, no, um, and I agree with you Peter, i think. I think, um, on a, especially on a football team, there's 11 players. I mean, unless Messi can play goalkeeper, center back, right back, I think sometimes when you say greatest of all time, you're disrespecting, what about the greatest goalkeeper of all time? What about this other center back? You know, there's, there's everybody's playing a role within a team. I think the beautiful thing about football is who is that team that, or that environment? And that year they just had that camaraderie. So I agree with you. I think it's – it ends up being disrespectful to a lot of other teams and coaching. There's so many things that go into play, like your role within a team, uh, the coach, the technical staff within a team, the players. Everything's got to be right because even when Messi, I think, and the, some of the great players that don't win it, you've got to really look back in it. Who was their coaching staff? Who was the players around them? It's, yeah. Everyone's got to take the credit. It just can't be that one because, you know, the media wants to make it that one. Yeah. but. Yeah.
1: You know, we started by talking cycling, and actually, cycling is a good, uh, is a very good example of what you just described. You know, um, if you look at the uh, the latest winner of the Tour de France, you know, it's coming from the Sky Team. You know, and then Sky Team has they have a better team than the other team. You know? So now they really have, they really have like nine very good guys. You know, pulling, you know, doing a lot of work. This leader, you know, and. Um, and cycling has because I've been I've been looking at it a little more closely lately. Um, cycling has become uh, more of a of a uh, a team sport than before. And don't get me wrong, Lance Armstrong already at USPS and they were good teams, but uh, but yeah. And for me, the only thing that I would say about the greatest of all of all as well is that you know you never know if you're going to factor the national team results, you know the the, the club results and. You know, obviously, if Messi had won a World Cup, then, you know, it, it, would be, it would be close. It would be close. But he hasn't, you know. Um, and then you have a Zidane and a Maradona and a Pelé. They all have. That's something that one thing they have in common. Um, but if you, you know, maybe Ronaldo will never win one, you know. The one thing I want to say in Ronaldo's favour is that he's won, in, he's won in, in different teams, you know. And that's you know, I don't think we'll ever be able to uh, to to find out if Messi would have, you know, like won in, in different teams because he will not change. So it doesn't mean I'm tilting Messi or, or Ronaldo. But that's something that, you know, when you come about, if you really want to go down, if you want to compare what's comparable, then... Then, then, then so he has won in different countries. He then, has with, you know, with different, he then has won with different teams: Juventus, Real Madrid. Now he's winning as a coach. These are these are criteria that could help. At the end of the debate is going
0: to be out there. So I'm sticking with Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, no, it's a it's a great pick, and I think, and I think Pierre. Um, Going to your situation, uh, Pierre.
1: I asked you for a sec, by the way. Just so we could...
0: No, no, no. Are, can you hear me? Can, can you hear me now?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yes. I'm, it's funny how you brought Ronaldo, and especially the field you're in. I think I'm watching from the outside. You're probably watching with a different eyes as well. I mean, that's a special athlete, too. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I think. I mean. I, I don't know if you've ever run up, walked across him or anything like that. I mean he's he's a, I know you said something about Zlatan. I think Cristiano's up there with uniqueness about that too. So it's funny how you say that. But
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean listen, the other one is also a special athlete as well. But yeah, Cristiano, you know, the, his ability to last as well, you know, is a credit. We all know his work ethic, you know, and then Again, the name you mentioned—they have, they have things in common. They, you know, we were talking about Michael Jordan. You know, yes, he only has one team as well, but you know, they, they put the work in. They put the work in and able to last because if they haven't lasted, then we probably wouldn't be talking about
2: them. You know, so. Um,
1: so De Bruyne so, yeah. it
2: is.
0: De Bruyne I'm, it is.
1: I'm speaking with Kevin De Bruyne.
0: I love it. I love it. I love
1: you know, it. I mean, one story about him. You know, at the uh, during the first. Classico Galaxy uh, Galaxy uh, LAFC at LAFC. Uh, so, well, the first yeah, the first game at their place. You know, it would have been the summer of what eighteen. And a bunch of players are at the game, and Kevin De Bruyne is there after the game. He's in uh, he's in a concourse, you know, because he knows someone from the uh, who used to be on the Galaxy front office. They're actually pretty close. And I'm coming out of here, and I see Kevin De Bruyne, and I'm like. You know, again, you, you barely know he's Kevin De Bruyne because he's just a normal guy, and you can tell. You know, you can tell, and to the point where I'm go- where I'd be like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna go talk to him, but I never do. You know, no matter where I never go bother people, uh, but I felt you know compelled to go and talk to him and say, you know what, guy? you know, I really uh, I really uh, you know enjoy you as a player, and I was also as a person, I can tell you're a good because I'm thinking he's going to be looking at me and he's like, this guy, Was he telling me this? You know? <laughs> he's going to say, great, thank you. But yeah, you could, see, you could see the guy, you could see the exact same guy that you saw on the field, on that concourse here, being on his own, and uh, not being noticed, and not wanting to be noticed. Um, so yeah, I think that, that part you know, resonates with me too. But more than anything, it's just that I, again, my son likes him, and I'm like, okay, good, let me show you. And as I knew already, but I'm looking at him, Speaking of someone who's influential on this team, uh, he's like,
0: he is. My opinion, I think he's the most influential on that team too. Wow! Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, And obviously, the position, the position
1: is key. No, no question about it. You know, but uh, and he's been steady. You know, if you look at, we talk about Belgium in 18. You know, he was, he was a force in there. So, yeah. You know, I'm not saying. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's better than a Messi or Ronaldo or Zidane or Prettini, But right now, yeah. Um, I found to, uh, I happen to enjoy watching you. Oh, wow!
0: great. Yeah, I think this has been amazing. I mean, I think we can go for hours of just talking. I think the amount of knowledge, the amount of conversation, the amount of interactions you've had, you have so much stories that, you know, it was a privilege of having you on and kind of uh, getting your perspective of the game and the way you see this beautiful game. I want to kind of um, put the um, put it back on you and let, uh, let you close this out with anything you want to add. Any any anything you got new going on currently, and you want to share with us and go from there.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, it was a pleasure. You know, I can I can anytime you want to talk football, we we can talk football. You know, um, I was I would have been interested to hear you know what you have to say, with your experience in Iran and everything else. You know, I was right across the Gulf. You know, when I was in Dubai. And actually, this country don't get along at all. Uh, but, yeah, for me, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, you know, we talked about science, you know, going uh, exponentially. I thought about it this morning, you know. we, uh, you know, My goal is to, um, you know, when you're, on a, when, you, uh, when you're used to the team environment, the day-to-day work, you know, my goal is to uh, to find quickly a um, head of performance position for a club. And if, you know, you don't get to choose, you know. But I would, I would like probably to be in the US, you know, if I can. So we we'll see. Um, but yeah, it's a challenge, you know, staying on top of your field. You know, it's it's going fast. So right now there's no there's no possibility to go to clubs. So we do like the other ones are doing. We're online. Told you about this thing I have in two days, and then and then hopefully quickly resume visiting uh, friends and colleagues. You know. Some are friends and colleagues. Some are just colleagues, you know. But that's how that's how you learn. You gotta get out there. Put yourself out there. You
0: no, know, fantastic again. And like I said, we'll be excited to know where your next landing spot is and what um, fascinating things you got coming in the future. Again, thank you so much, Pierre.